This is the Humerian Health Podcast. Spilling our guts for the well-being of yours. We're here today at the Humerian Health Podcast. I laugh because by we, I mean me. I'm the only female in the room. And we actually have... You are surrounded. We actually have Dr. Bentley live in Intechnicolor. <laughs> Which, you know, it's, it's only been, a long time. been like months since I've seen yeah. you. So yes. welcome. Well, we've been welcome waiting for the, the right show. topic matter. Do I look Which, better? That was I shaved. You, I, do I look I younger? Sh- you, you look uh, clean Younger, cut. not so much. No. You do look oh. clean cut. You clean up oh. well. Thanks. And you're not in That's your right. scrub, so you look more like a normal person. Yeah, than oh, thank you. But we do appreciate the Abbey normal form of Dr. And we had to have, you're right, we had to have the right topic matter. That's right. Which is men's health. I'm so excited. I have lots of questions, which I'm equally excited about being a woman to get to ask you about men's health. I wondered why you had so many questions. Yeah, well, don't worry, because I've got so many questions. I don't know if she's got any. We could let her ask. I have have lots of questions. You (laughs) really do. Actually, what's what's funny is Dr. Bentley came to the show and said, what do you mean? I have stuff I'm already going to talk about. So, I I mean, I feel like we should just open the floor and say, like, okay, Okay, men's health. Like, give us the 411, and we can pepper you with questions. (laughs) and a male... Oh my god. All right. Well, <laughs> when it comes to male health. Um, oh, wait. Male health as opposed to men's health? Men's is that health? different? I don't male? know. Anyway, I don't sorry. Know. Go What's ahead. grammatically correct. You know. tell me. I don't know. Just go rewind ahead. and we'll start over. No, no, we're not okay. rewinding. All Just right. jump right we in. Don't I'm jumping right in. on these All right. Things. So, when it comes to men's health, I think, you know, some of the interesting things is that men don't really like going to doctors. <laughs> you don't That's, say. Yeah, believe it or not. First yeah. ever. It's, uh, you know, we have to um, Be told submit by your to woman. the fact that masculinity is decreasing at some level, um, and it becomes a mental block for a lot of people. And on top of that, I think um, there's some social inequities in the United States when it comes to male issues. We don't really have, you know, they got the Women's Health Initiative at the NIH with millions of dollars for women's health, but no one really is funding tons of money when it comes to men's health. There's not these big initiatives out there across the United States. So what is that about? <laughs> yeah, I am a male, and I am very upset. And I'm thinking I'm the a female, and I'm like that way. not that upset. And it but doesn't okay. matter how much you <laughs> give. Wait a minute. I get it. It doesn't matter how much money you give the females. It just doesn't. Okay, Careful. All right, right, right. This anyway. Is research. research. So, you know, the bottom line is, is that men really don't go into the doctor often. Right. Um, Unless and something's if they do, broken. There's, yeah, there's something or broken. Off. And, or, or falls off, off. and yeah. they're in a lot of pain. Yeah. Uh, they'll go in there for that, something that's truly debilitating after they've gone on for so long. And then the main reason that a lot of men actually end up going to the physicians and seeing doctors is the fact of erectile dysfunction. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've heard it said that, you know, a male penis is the dipstick into their health. And, you know, <laughs> kind of a bad... Can we say that on the podcast? I, I think, I'm not quite I think sure. we just did. You yeah, just did. I did just yeah. say that, So there you I? go. I said it was said. I didn't say that. Oh, Someone okay. Else said that. Okay, you, that's not. Yeah. You I can't, can't quote because I can't really remember who did it. Okay, it's probably. Um, but so like, I've heard it at some point. Okay, so like yeah, dig into that or okay. whatever is the so right. So <laughs> I've, I've seen, I've seen men as patients, Careful. and they haven't come in for that. You're not that kind There's of doctor. There's a few other things they come in for when they can't walk and play golf. That's the biggest reason. <laughs> And that comes back to the pain. Yeah, it does. And dealing with the yeah. pain in the spine. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and dealing with those things. So I want to get, ba- ED ED get back to the dipstick part because that's, yeah. I have a list of questions well, yeah, for you. I really that's do. all your questions. Right. No, so. that's not actually. I have some, you know, not related to that, but. <laughs> well, you know. let's move forward okay. then. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, it, you look at men and you try to look at erectile dysfunction and things that men start to have going on with that. And it's, it's very multifaceted when it comes to erectile dysfunction. It's just not, oh, everybody's got a Viagra deficiency and that's the issue. Um, 
but it's very multifactorial. But when you talk about, everybody knows menopause, and then people talk about andropause, which are the androgens. They do? Some people do. <laughs> um, Is that like male menopause? Exactly. Oh, okay. So as, as we go through decade to decade, our testosterone level typically peaks between age 20 to 25. Beyond 25, if you look at the research, it starts to decline. And it will say 700 down to 650, down to 450, you know, and into your, you know, sixth, seventh decades of life, you know, you're dealing with the testosterone level down below to 300s, which is by endocrinology definition is hypogonadism, which is when the testicles are no longer producing the amount of testicles, testicles, <laughs> testosterone. You just want to say <laughs> testicles as many times as possible. At, at some pretty point, sure the we're testosterone not edit that level out. is not at a high enough level. Um, <laughs> And so that's hypogonadism. Um, with that, though, comes a number of symptoms. Some of them are fatigue, depression, uh, loss of skeletal muscle mass, um, more soreness after working out, um, you know, when you don't have this level of testosterone. And when you just think about the depression that starts to come in and the fatigue and the male's like, what's going on with me? And you start to look at the amount of suicides in the United States and who are the majority of these suicides committed by? Men. men right, 80% absolutely. of suicides are by men. Do you think that's because of this formation that's depression and mental fog, fog, not thinking straight, um, can't do what they used to do? So it's all about ED. There's nothing else. No, pretty sure that's. Let's clear this up. It doesn't have to necessarily do with erectile dysfunction. (laughs) However, I think overall, it's you know, for me again, correlation doesn't necessarily mean causation. Sure. But it is something to be mindful of. The man that you know, men are called. You know, if if the man is taking on the role to be the head of the household. And then all of a sudden they start to feel this loss of masculinity. They're all of a sudden getting depressed and they're getting fatigued. And no one's looking at the testosterone levels. You know, it's something that we need to call into question and mm-hmm. and look at that because it, it becomes a social factor for them. It becomes a relationship factor for them. It becomes a family issue for them. And you start to think about midlife crises and men mm-hmm. start getting a new sports car because <laughs> it makes them feel have more virility or mm-hmm. whatever, or they end up getting a divorce. And, you know, as some people say, trade in for a younger version or whatever, because it makes them feel um, a younger version of themselves. Trying so to solution a problem that's underlying, but they don't really realize what it is. Well yeah. said. Yeah. Well okay. said. Yeah. And that's where I think as physicians, we need to start being more mindful and looking into mm-hmm. this. Not that testosterone supplementation is right for everybody and that's what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. But this is just a, a social issue um, and, a, more importantly, a health issue that needs to be addressed. And there's many reasons that someone can start to have low levels of testosterone. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are some of the things that we can move into if you would like me to <laughs> discuss that. Perhaps. But you have well, your list of questions. No, so that's actually, this is your podcast. <laughs> no, I just was excited to get to talk to you. And I, Dr. Benzinger, <laughs> I like to be prepared. I okay. do. It's very bad. I yeah. Anyway, I can only see the ones that were three o'clock in the morning. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, and this question, and this question, and this question. So no, I'm actually interested. So you're spot on, and if I use my husband as like a gauge in terms of like not going to the doctor, right? right. That's like yeah. not his preference. Mm-hmm. Um, and you talked about <laughs> it's not my preference Anything either, really. But, but and I'll um, do it. <laughs> yeah, but and then you talked about lo- like having lower levels of testosterone and kind of how your chemistry, body chemistry changes mm-hmm. over time. So just at a, like maybe a higher level before we go back to penises and sexual function, which we'll probably get there again. But um, are there 
like points in time that you say like, hey, as a guy, I know you don't want to go to the doctor, but like here's some things you should maybe go get screened for or here, like right. you should get this baseline whatever testosterone levels are I, I don't know what they are but i guess that's the question is are but, there but things that as a, done, as a, like well, yeah that. so we've asked it's this with um, some of our um, other doctors that have come and talked to us on the women's hormone side like certain types of things you should get screened for or baseline for mm -hmm. I, I mean is there sort of a pathway for guys that you would say hey when you're 40 like you should go in and make sure you know like whatever what your thyroid levels are and your testosterone levels and whatever or is it more like, oh, if you think you're feeling tired or depressed or whatever, then you should go in and start that process. Like, I guess, is there like a proactive posture that people really should be taking? Right. <laughs> Versus yeah. a like, yeah, I'm broken or I think I'm broken. And then I'm going to start getting like basic screens and, you know, testing and stuff done. Gotcha. Yeah. So, you know, again, I try to remain as evidence based as possible. And sometimes there's good evidence on things and there's things that just really haven't been studied in a way that it needs to be done. Global screening of testosterone is not a recommended thing, nor okay. is PSA screening anymore. Okay. Um, because they say by the time, if your PSA level is elevated, it could be elevated for many other reasons, that they end up having, going through unnecessary testing, causing further issues down the line, that they don't even recommend getting your prostatic-specific antigen, which is what PSA stands for, to screen for colon cancer, or sorry, uh, prostate cancer anymore. Mm -hmm. And the reason is, is that it just leads to those unnecessary testing. It leads, and the reality is, they say hey, statistically, if you be a, if you're a man and you live to be over seventy, you're at some point going to get prostate cancer. Right. Um, and there's reasons really? that I believe yeah. behind that. All all do basically by the time yeah. ninety or whatever. And, and the reality is, you're going to die of something else mm -hmm. before the prostate cancer because it's not as aggressive. Mm -hmm. um, and that comes to uh, some interesting facts. When it comes to low testosterone, people think about uh, testosterone supplementation and everybody gets all up in a frenzy thinking about cancer and getting um, prostate cancer because of taking testosterone. Mm -hmm. um, and the reality is that's a myth and it's kind of been disproven. Mm -hmm. If you think about okay. embryologically what happens, embryologically the prostate is the male, because again, we, we all start off kind of essentially the same. And the testicles in a male mm -hmm. are the female equivalent of the ovaries. The prostate is the same as the female's uterus. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, the labia majora on a female on the outside of the, of the vagina, that skin tissue is the male equivalent, the scrotum. Mm -hmm. The clitoris is equivocal to the glands penis, the tip mm -hmm. of the penis. Um, so embryologically, we have these differentiating factors that come on when testosterone levels start to elevate in males um, with the Y chromosome. That's what starts to embryologically, they start to differentiate with that. Mm -hmm. So what they found is that actually low testosterone levels actually allow a process of estrogen dominance, mm -hmm. dominance to overtake. So now the men have more estrogen available. And estrogen is a cell-stimulating growth. Um, you know, I believe you guys had Pamela Smith and mm -hmm. on. Um, so I'm sure she talked about estrogens and how estrogens cause growth. When I was at Indiana University, I was doing research on hormone replacement therapy before we really understood about unopposed estrogens. And estrogens caused a 75% increase in uterine weight in all of our rats and because it promotes cellular growth. So unopposed estrogen definitely does that. And men are getting estrogen from multiple avenues now. Um, we have what are called environmental estrogens. 
exogenous estrogens that are coming from the environment. So, um, what forms? I mean, just that's yeah. probably yeah. What forms? I was like, because they're using they're using their can just kind of wives. Plug in so there, there's what <laughs> you know people, especially in the male community, we dislike the term toxins because toxins is very encompassing, and then they're like, oh, here we go, I got another doctor talking about toxins again. Right, right. So let's just be more specific, and let's say endocrine disruptors. You can type up endocrine disruptors and you'll find a 4,000 page paper by the Environmental Protection Agency with regards to environmental disruptors. Uh, One of them is atrazine. Atrazine is a chemical formula that is utilized on corn um, and in the fields and you get the runoffs. And so much there's a, a lake up in Michigan that they have that the frogs themselves actually have become more feminized and the population is changing because the the male form is no longer there because the atrazine has come in and acted like an estrogen. Mm -hmm. And so now you're getting more of these feminized frogs Mm -hmm. um, because of these environmental disruptors or endocrine disruptors. Mm -hmm. And the same thing happens in our body. So that's one source of it. Um, I've had a male patient that whose wife, because she was in menopause, she was using vaginal estrogen creams and they continued to have intercourse. Well, she was using these creams to act as a lubricant. Um, And all of a sudden the husband starts growing man boobs. Yeah. You know, technical term is gynecomastia, but Man, man boobs, boobs or moves <laughs> moves um, <laughs> right moves so he started developing these because transdermally it was coming from the female and so right. he's like freaking out going what the heck is going on and then it was like okay we need to go discuss what's going on and so with his wife there we start talking and isolated what the cause was so there yeah. was no medical treatment that needed to be done just it's just it needed to change what was happening with her or their timing right essentially <laughs> right. um Timing's always so. That's a that's a something else that men can get estrogen. One thing that is very prevalent in the United States that people don't realize because you're starting to see a lot of teenage kids walking around with moobs, uh, young boys, um, adolescents, much more than what you used to. Um, And with that, there is a part of normal physiology as the male hormones are changing, and you can have someone that is lean. But with the epidemic of obesity going on in today's society, is that people don't realize that. With obesity, you increase the amount of fat cells. And these fat cells have an enzyme called aromatase. Aromatase converts the body's testosterone to estrogen. Mm. And then what that estrogen does is it increases what's called sex hormone binding globulin. So now what you've done is a male, if you're, you're overweight and you've got increased body fat due to too much insulin secretion because you're eating too much junk food and too much high starches, your, body, your liver gets over flooded with the sugar and says, we got to do something with this, packages it up in triglycerides and goes and dumps it in your fat cells and it gets inside there through insulin. So now what's happened is that you've got increased fat, increased aromatase enzyme, let me be politically correct. You have increased adipose tissue. Adipose tissue has That's aromatase. That's politically in. correct. Oh, okay. Yes, instead of saying fat, it's <laughs> <Got> adipose it. <laughs> tissue. So um, the aromatase enzyme inside the adipose tissue now converts the male testosterone mm-hmm. to estrogen. Mm-hmm. Estrogen increases what's called sex hormone binding globulin. And what do you think sex hormone binding globulin does? It binds up your sex hormones. So it has a stronger affinity for testosterone than what it does estrogen. Interesting. So mm-hmm. now this sex hormone binding globulin goes up in the presence of increased estrogen. So it's going to bind up what little testosterone that male had. And now they're starting to get more of the man boobs mm-hmm. um, or the gynecomastia. They're starting to have um, 
more emotional episodes. They don't understand why they're depressed. They start to lose their muscle mass. They have less um, recovery after workouts. Um, low testosterone leads to uh, more inflammatory prostaglandins, like prostaglandin E2 being released. So now you got more inflammation. So, I mean, so you start waking up, you know, reality is, I mean, I guess if you're waking up and the only thing stiff is your back, you got an issue with testosterone probably. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So, so really when you look at our society and so many people carrying extra weight, this is an ongoing consistent problem for all society. Correct. And in females, it actually creates a estrogen dominance, which leads yeah. to a lot of infertility. And also males and become infertile, right? mm-hmm. infertility. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So we look at the rate oh, of infertility. It's going parallel with our same rate of the epidemic of obesity that we have going on. Makes sense. The same epidemic obesity. If you look at the graphs, you see this trend of infertility. You see the trend of obesity. You see the trend of diabetes. You see the trend of heart disease all going up. And a lot of it is all related back together. How yeah. interesting. Yeah. Well, so what would you say? So I've heard lots of different um, thoughts on BMI and how to measure whether you're obese or overweight or whatever. I mean, do, I, I what's was your obese at like six days old? <laughs> I mean, that thing. I don't embryonic most of obesity. Us know that BMI is something you... wrong with that thing. <laughs> um, so I guess I'm curious, and this is maybe not necessarily just male health related, but when you talk specifically about you know male obesity, like what how, what is obesity really? I mean, like in terms of deciding whether you are or you aren't, right? Mm-hmm. So if you go in, I go in my doctor's office and I, and I actually did that this week and looked at the chart and they had like, you know, the red little cells, you're this tall and you're this much right. weight. And if you look at the chart, it's like the green part where you're like in health was like a 10th of the space available <laughs> on the poster. That's true. And the rest of the poster yeah, was right, red right. or orange, right? Yeah, and right. so as a average Joe or Jane, I look at that and I'm like, okay, well, the chances of me being in the green spot are not like, that's not going to happen mm-hmm. if you use BMI as your like guidepost for obesity or for right. health. So, I mean, what is the current thinking on BMI, body mass index, or, or, or what's the, the scale, not in terms of the scale you step right. on, but how you know that you're potentially putting yourself at risk for some of the, these other things to have happen to you because of your weight? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's not a great clear-cut science. Clear-cut science. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, someone that is five, nine and they're 200 pounds, they're going to be in the overweight obese category, but let's say they're 200 pounds and they are just jacked. I mean, mm-hmm. this guy has got more testosterone sure. than <laughs> muscle, whatever. Mass, right? Right. right. And so they may actually be based off of weight, you know, five, nine, 240 pounds. You're certainly in the obese category. If you base it off of BMI, which basically takes your height and weight mm-hmm. and charts it out and says anything above a BMI of 30 you're considered obese. Mm-hmm. Um, anything above 40 is morbidly obese. They've actually changed that term of morbid obesity to, I forget what it is, <laughs> but they're trying to be more politically correct oh, as okay. opposed you're to morbid You're larger than the average obesity. Joe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, you're larger than the average Joe. Okay. But so again, you got to take it in a context of, all right, this guy's a bodybuilder and he's going to have increased weight because muscle weighs a whole heck of a lot more than fat. Sure. Um, and they're not necessarily uh, vertically in... Um, challenged? They are vertically challenged. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> they're, they're not vertically enhanced. <laughs> That's a different podcast. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, 
you know, so BMI, but that is kind of the growing trend, you know, I mean, it's, you look at our software and everything that we chart with our patients and BMI is right there at the, at the top mm -hmm. and it does call to attention, but you also have to put it in the context of the patient. Um, so sure. I don't want everybody to sit there and look at a BMI and go, oh my gosh, because the reality is, is doing a deuterium oxide study and sodium bromide studies to look at intracellular, extracellular water, doing everybody a hydrostatic weighing to see their buoyancy, to see how much fat is actually there mm -hmm. versus muscle mass. You know, you're spending thousands and dollars of equipment, which really isn't that great. There are certain things like... Um, impedance um, devices that will measure electrical resistance and reactants. Um, so that's a way to kind of get a good estimate, um, mm -hmm. a good predictive value of how much uh, pounds of muscle, how much fat you have in your body, how much water you have, how much of skeletal muscle. So with science, we've done all those other tests that I just measured, and then they measured the electrical resistance reactants, and you have a good um, aspect. But that's that's a whole other podcast that <laughs> I don't think anybody else would really care about. But, yeah, but wouldn't that be interesting if they were measuring testosterone levels on with weight loss. And you just wonder how many times they're actually doing that. Because, all right, so somebody's 40 pounds overweight, male, 45 years old, they lose weight, and they'll talk about how they feel good and their attitude's good and mm -hmm. all that stuff. Well, the real question is, you know, I think we as a society perceive that, oh, the picture, I just look better. So it's a self-image improver. Well, based on what you're saying, plausibly, it's just his testosterone levels are coming back to a level of confidence, the way his body was made and to, made, uh, to run more efficiently. And you wonder if that's not the bigger wear than, gee, I just happen to look good. Because yeah. I think that has limited benefit. And if that confidence stays there, because you see it all the time. I got in shape, men and women, I got in shape and all that. Well, what if it's the testosterone level or hormone balancing that's occurring that kind of puts them back into um, a cycle that's normal and healthy? And, and that's exactly it. it it's sense. hormone balancing. Mm -hmm. It's a dance with all the different hormones. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you decrease the body fat that you have, you decrease the aromatase. So now you're not converting as much estrogen or testosterone to estrogen, which now is going to decrease the amount of sex hormone binding globulin. So now you make more available the testosterone you were making, sure. provided the Mm -hmm. you know, that you're still making yeah. enough testosterone. Yeah. Um, the people that, Makes you sense. know, certain people run into, if you, there is a feedback loop. And so a lot of people talk about hormone replacement therapy. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not a big fan of the term hormone replacement therapy. I'm more hormone supplement therapy mm. um, because there's sometimes people just need that extra edge to be able to feel good enough to go make the lifestyle changes that Absolutely. they would like to make. Mm -hmm. um, so you wonder if that wouldn't be a better aspect than just giving antidepressants and a few other things. Yeah, I mean, I it's, it's slow, yeah, because you got to start and, and look at this aspect and figure out, okay, here was a guy that was very vibrant. This guy was huge, uh, he, or huge with regards to where he was going in his life with regards mm -hmm. to, you know, he's a fortune 500 company mm -hmm. developer mm -hmm. and started one. And all of a sudden now this guy's depressed and fatigued and, you know, he's not living the life mm -hmm. that he envisioned for himself. Sure. And sense. you also look at stress hormones and stress hormones come into play where it completely changes the amount of sex hormone binding globulin testosterone function. Cause if you think about, um, how we're designed, I mean, if you're getting chased by a bear <laughs> and you're, you're not going to stop and go have intercourse to reproduce you know i mean thinking that's not going to work <laughs> no exactly and if you yeah, go back yeah. I think hey, chased by a bear get over here right and <laughs> i actually I thought if you're being chased by a bear you just have to be faster than the person that you were with so Ooh, probably definitely not gonna happen <laughs> 
And that's a podcast in of itself. Tripped, Ozzy. Well, and again, if you take animals and you put them in a stressful environment, whether it's a strobe light or whatever, or their fertility, is, yeah, their fertility yeah. levels are going to go down. And the same thing happens with us, mm-hmm. male or female. The stress that we have, whether it's physical, chemical, or emotional stress, all comes into play. So it's not just about estrogen, but I'm just sure. talking about what I see as a trend in general Makes is that. Sense. As a society, we're becoming larger and larger. We're having more adipose tissue stored on our body because of the amount of carbohydrates, and it's leading to hormonal imbalances, and it's a delicate balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, because if you get um, – here's something. Most people don't think about this. I'm a big advocate of measuring insulin levels. I've been writing a lot of papers, things being published uh, with the university that I'm at, um, different things that looking at uh, insulin levels way before someone becomes diabetic as a way in measuring. However – you know, the biggest craze is ketogenic diets and sure. things like that. Well, that basically means cutting out the amount of carbohydrates that you're eating. So mm-hmm. now you're not getting an insulin response. If your insulin gets too low, guess what happens to your sex hormone body globulin? It goes up. Uh-huh. So getting it too low can create an issue too. Oh, so it's about a delicate balance. Which is and probably not very common. No, it's not low in this society. Probably not the most yeah. right. But what, well, what, what, what I mean, concerns being me on a, the ketosis and being on like certain diet plans, I think that's a. I mean, yeah, popular. and it's huge. I mean, it, it's popular, yeah. and I've written papers on it, and mm-hmm. I'm a big advocate of it yeah. for the right person, but also keeping things in perspective because some people are so gung ho. Yep. You know, I mean, I had a patient one time that said, "Yeah, I read a book about eat like a caveman or whatever yeah. book it was." Sure, and you know, diet. they they were an advocate, yeah. and she, the girl was going and buying raw steak from the from the grocery store and then eating it just raw oh boy yes how many worms did she have exactly exactly and that's i was like you've got to stop you you're you're an extremist here (laughs) yeah and you're taking this way out of context i don't even know any extremists you ever met any extremists nope not on this podcast (laughs) so to me it's a it's a delicate balance um but isn't that what you're looking for i mean as as a, a male going to see a physician I don't think this um, a broader view is being analyzed very much. You know, we come in, uh, you know, maybe a 58-year-old guy with a receding hairline, an extra 20 pounds, and and uh, and and struggles in a red with shirt. Oh, wait, red <laughs> shirt and not suffering from ED, which is good. Um, and going through these things, but the truth is, I have never seen a panel with all those tests. Yeah, those and panels. And that might be the big mistake, wouldn't it? A, a general, you know, complete chemistry should probably have a testosterone level at 50, 58, 45. Because we might be then, hey, you, you're a little down, a little depressed. Maybe it's just testosterone so low, the drive and performance and, and attitude has been suppressed by those things, too. So that's a great question. Um, testing. Why? Points for you. I like that. Two, Good job. You got a little ding. I know. Um, so when it comes to <laughs> testing, you know. Uh, a lot of times physicians will just order a total testosterone. There's problems that's inherent in that because total testosterone measures uh, all the testosterone, including the ones that are bound. If it's bound mm. it's to a protein, it's isn't. not available to your cells. Right. Mm-hmm. So what I'm an advocate of doing is measuring your total testosterone, your free testosterone, your sex hormone binding globulin, and also estradiol. So in when it comes to estrogen, it's like there's just not estrogen. It's like me saying, yeah, get crackers. But there are a bazillion different types of crackers well, that you can get. Well, because Cheez-Its is the only cracker that right. ever be Ritz. Okay. Hello, Townhouse, come Ritz on. crackers. Um, all right. Cheese Whiz, no, whatever. Okay, for all of us who don't eat gluten and stuff, we all have our favorite cracker. That's, That's fabulous. Yeah, right? I know. We were tortured when we were young. Uh, exactly. It's just memories. That's what exactly. it was. Um, so, you know, estrogen, <laughs> there's E1, E2, E3. 
Um, E1 is what's more predominant, estrone, predominant in women that are menopausal. Estradiol is usually the E2, which is during, um, uh, what do you want to call, um, childbearing years. And then estriol, um, E3, is what goes up as a form of estrogen during pregnancy. So I always kind of thought about um, the estriol is the three trimesters that a woman mm-hmm. has when they're pregnant. So oh, easy go. ways to just kind of remember. That's how you remember things. all this medical yeah, no school like, stuff, right? I, I got these dorky rhymes that are in mm-hmm. my mind all the time. Do you have a rap? Can you sing, can you sing uh, about, can. like, all the bones in the body or, like? <laughs> I'm not going to go there. Um, <laughs> I'll spare Out, the listeners. Outtake. <laughs> right? Yes. We'll put that on the Bentley outtakes. Um, but those are the tests that you would have had uh, if, if you were seeing a 58-year-old male with a receding hairline. We won't go through and a red again. shirt. Uh, that tight wearing red shirt guy. Would, would that kind of be your uh, a test that you would do if, um, you know, mentally fatigued, da-da-da, you would include kind of all those things? Yeah, well, with the receding hairline, I would also add DHT, um, oh, dihydrotestosterone. Yeah. That yeah, seems yeah. to be one of the evil villains of a conversion of a byproduct of testosterone I didn't know that, that really? people will see the DHT. And then, um, you know, something else um, to look at that would, you know, for me, um, I think if you're evaluating all those things and you're – with regards to mental health, I think looking at a PSA is reasonable, um, mainly from a standpoint of DHT is what also creates what's called benign prostatic hypertrophy. Um, BPH is the other is the term for it. So BPH um, is basically an enlargement of the male uterus, known as the prostate. And I was like, wait a minute, yeah, don't wait, just no. cut that snippet, <laughs> out, yeah. right? So because the the urethra goes through that it, if it enlarges it can squeeze down on the sure. urethra which is causes problems with the urination mm-hmm. so the male may not be able to um he has problems initiating the stream or he gets dribble afterwards right, right. things of those na- of, that, of that nature mm-hmm. um that can happen so that's i think dht is a reasonable thing mm-hmm. to look at um mm-hmm. symptomatology wise with low testosterone that males can also notice you know beyond depression uh random fatigue which can I can think of fifteen reasons why someone has low fatigue or has fatigue issues. Sure. Um, yeah. It could be a thyroid issue, it could be anemia, it could be a low testosterone. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to investigate what's going on. If the person comes in mm-hmm. looking like Casper to ghost, they might be anemic, and it's not a testosterone problem. Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. But you talk it really. It really has to do with your physician looking at you fully in a Correct. balanced way, because unfortunately, it's kind of like well, we do these standard things, and you question whether we are. With the new science, <clears throat> expanding those types of tests to be a really fully assessed. Well, body. and what I would say is it's actually not letting, it's not having your physician know those things. It's you knowing that you need to ask about those yeah, things. Yeah, people so need to be an advocate for themselves yeah. because, you know, yeah. there are guidelines right. that are um, put out. So mm-hmm. there's a standardization across medicine. Right. Um, sometimes the guidelines are great and spot on, and sometimes they kind of miss the boat when it comes to optimal health and wellness. So that's kind of the, the key thing. It, it really limits that aspect mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, all this that you've spoke of really would affect ED if that's an issue uh, and other things. It would be a lot of the same type of things you'd be looking at for erectile dysfunction or anything, too. 
Yeah, it can. And erectile dysfunction also, it, it's beyond just uh, low testosterone. Erectile dysfunction can happen because it's decreased blood flow. You know, the first thing when I think of erectile dysfunction, I think cardiovascular disease. But I think sure. cardiovascular disease, what's the number one cause of cardiovascular disease is type 2 diabetes. How do you get type 2 diabetes? You get high mm-hmm. insulin levels from yep. the sugar that you're eating, which uh, causes to increase the adipose tissue, which increases the aromatization of your testosterone to estrogen, which increases sex hormone binding globin, and the whole cascade starts over Comes again. right back to modern Western diet. Correct. I, I feel like it you really just does. did the whole podcast. Ta-da, in five seconds, just right? There you that go. Last segment. And that'll be it, folks. And <laughs> take. No, no, no that's, that's interesting. 100% well, and off. I hope what people are hearing too, male or female, is how interconnected everything is, right? right? And so, also being an advocate for yourself in the doctor's office to, like, you know, yes, you kind of have a plan, right? The doctor's going to check this, and if that's not a thing, then maybe they go to the next thing. Like, well, then you should check this, and then mm-hmm. you should check this. But the more that we understand as just human beings, non-doctoral human beings, patients, um, you know, how things are interconnected and asking your doctors good questions about, you know, so help me understand why this is the thing that's being tested. And then if this is what's being tested, like when it comes to different, like the different types of estrogens or the, not just your total testosterone, but these other pieces, like making sure you understand, like, are they really getting all of the data that could help inform the decision, right? And obviously we'd all hope that our doctors know all that stuff but there's also probably tons and tons and tons that to keep up on 100%. and so you know yeah, and yeah. i mean no offense but sometimes older doctors don't want to keep up on all those things mm-hmm. or whatever and so they kind of learn the way that they learn and then it's like this is this is what we do so i mean always going back and sometimes to, there, there becomes a, 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 a we become calloused a little bit mm-hmm. um as um physicians dealing with it when you because of marketing, mm-hmm. um, you know, and if, you know, so you see commercials all over about low T. So now every man's coming in asking about low T right. and it almost becomes an annoyance because then everybody thinks everybody's got low T. Right. Right. So, right. you know, you can do a podcast on candida and you mentioned fatigue. Oh, everybody's got candida. Yeah. Oh, everybody's got hypothyroidism. Oh, everybody's got this. Right? Yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah. that's where some of the frustration comes. But I think that if you truly just listen to the patient and mm-hmm. listen to their social context of who they were and how they're feeling now, you can piece some of these things together. And, and really, I think it's, it, it's worth looking at. Yeah. Um, instead of just piecemealing. And, and, you know, I often, you know, I give the analogy to patients and say, look, if the dam breaks, it's going to flood all the houses downstream, right? I can go, we can go sandbag each house, mm-hmm. which to me is all your symptoms. Or we can go work a little bit more upstream and figure out what's the cause of all this. Now, sometimes we can't fix the cause immediately, and we need to go sandbag the house to be able to stay alive so we can go up there and fix the dam. Mm -hmm. So that's where certain medicines come in, um, hormone replacement or hormone supplementation uh, Mm -hmm. comes in and using that. yeah. And again, it just it's it's a trade that you kind of have to find that balance of meet the patient where they're at. Right. And sometimes you need to come in with the axes and hoses and put the fire <laughs> out. And then you need to come back in and be the handyman and start remodeling the home. Yeah. And, and that's, getting them to come in early, getting them to yeah. come in before it's too late. And mm-hmm. two of the things that I've been one thing is I just so the listeners hear this and I'm sure you're starting to see it. I'm seeing more men come in earlier and start to ask questions and try to look at this than I've ever seen in 36 years. So that, you know, that's wonderful, okay? Um, but the other thing is that I've also had uh, many men, def- one of their number one questions is, should I just go to one of those clinics? And listening to you speak today, Dr. Bentley, is very clear that if we do that, the only thing they're going to look at is one thing. 
and that's going to be that hormone balance, and that's what they're aiming at. And the truth is they might be missing a much bigger um, uh, problem or issue or something that could be much more easily supported and give them general health back. So the real question is, do you want to go to one of those things? Not until you have screened other things. Am I saying that correctly? Yeah, I think that there, there are some certain baseline things that people must look at. Um, I'll give you an example. There was a person that was doing a whole, an entire um, program, and the patient continued to get fatigued and get worse and worse and worse. And everything that they would do, having them exercise, having them do fasting, uh, getting in saunas, do, in their workouts, they would be wiped for the day. And this person had a hemoglobin of like 3.7. Oh, my. And a hemoglobin of 3.7 means that person needs to be in the emergency department getting blood transfusions. Holy cow. Yes. Oh my. So, <laughs> any, you know, when it's below 6. Or, or go to the sauna. Yeah, the or sauna's go to the fine. Sauna. But here was the problem. <laughs> they were never tested. They were like, oh, you're fatigued. It must be your thyroid. We'll give you a little bit of this, and we'll do this program. We'll get you to lose weight. But this person is bleeding internally somewhere because they got an ulcer, whether it was from stress or taking NSAIDs because their body ached all the time, yep. that type of thing. So getting a, some basic blood work is very key. So I'm not against getting basic blood work, but what I feel is that what happens is mail comes in, I'm depressed, the CBC, the chem panel, liver looks good, kidneys look good, you're not anemic, everything, you're not going to die on me today – Let's put you on Wellbutrin. Mm -hmm. Let's give you an antidepressant yeah, of some right. sort. And, and um, completely, potentially completely missing an entire underlying issue. Correct. And mm -hmm. then listening to that and just writing yeah. it off before you actually truly investigate. And that's where I feel looking at male hormones, which is the biggest issue that we're having in today's society mm -hmm. with regards to male health. Mm -hmm. um, you know, again, it's the prostate cancer. It's the erectile dysfunction, um, which is affecting their masculinity, which is affecting their mental psyche. Um, and I think that we can stave off a lot of these issues uh, by listening. Yeah, which, oh, oh, I was just gonna say, which is unfortunately a great place to end this episode because <laughs> it's already it's right already now. longer than we normally go. Yeah, but yeah. it's so good to have you here, and yeah, I Dr. want Dr. to Belly, keep having you, you talk to us because I actually yeah. really have more questions, but we're not gonna get to. Those uh, did we even today. get to no. any of your questions? No. You, we did actually. Did we? Oh, okay, mm -hmm. perfect. Yeah. I wove them in smartly without nice. telling you. Wow, you're sly. I do what I can. Very good. Well, uh, we appreciate it. We know that you're not available as much as you used to be, um, but just having you when we... we he's always available from like 1 a.m. to 3 a.m. at the hospital <laughs> while he's waiting for the next patient. It was, it was bad on my part. So, um, but thank you for coming. We appreciate it. I think the, uh, that many women that listen to the broadcast probably will Make ask their, husbands their men listen. to listen to it. <laughs> just because I think getting this broader spectrum yeah. and understanding of modern day really is a fabulous one. Yeah. So much. yeah, it was an honor to be here, so thank you. Thanks. Amy Baker, Dr. Sean Benzinger. Humarian Health Podcast. Spilling our guts. For the well-being of yours. That's right. Thanks for having the guts to listen to the Humarian Health Podcast. Make sure you follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Humarian Health. If you have things you'd like to gut check, send us an email at gutcheck at humarian.com. Thank you.